He was more than just a soldier like David who would come later. He too was a man who was after God's own heart. And it's for that reason that he was more than just a conqueror. We're talking about Joshua today on Our Jewish Roots. We are so glad you've joined us today. I'm David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I'm Joshua. And I'm Caleb. Brahim Habayim. Welcome, friends. I love that. Good Joshua Hebrew. and Caleb. I don't know if I should call you that or the Bearded Bible Brothers. That's who you are. We'll take both. We'll take okay. both. <laughs> we welcome you to Thank this you. set. We did, table. Last week, it was such a beautiful, should I say, passing of the baton, mm -hmm. of a little bit of a mantle. There was some blessing prayed over you from yes. Dr. Seif, who mm. was with us for many years. Yeah. And you've been with us for many years, but not on this set, so no. welcome. We have been behind this set, and now we're on this set, so it's <laughs> a, an amazing transition. If y'all guys didn't see last week's episode, uh, Dr. Seif is going to be moving into a new role. Mm -hmm. We are going to be transitioning into teaching over the next six months. They still have two other series that Dr. Seif is gonna be in, so mm -hmm. you'll see us in the studio commenting on some of his brilliance that he'll be presenting, but we're very excited to be moving to this new time for us. It's mm -hmm. like we, we have two children, and when you, when you have your first, you think, can I love the second as much? No. And God, <laughs> God, God expands your heart. And it's like our family is expanding. Yes. Yes. You've been behind the scenes, but now we've expanded to you on here. And we're just thrilled that you're in these seats and the wisdom that you will be bringing to the program. We're, we're very excited. Our, our parents named us Joshua and Caleb, not by accident, but God gave them that vision of us fulfilling by faith the good report and taking the land. And so that's what we're here to do. Talk about vision, we get to see you, you get to see this guy Joshua as Joshua throughout all of our reenactments on this program and in the series. Let's go now to our dramatic reenactment. What happened at Mount Sinai was a miracle. A personal message to Moses, inscribed in stone by the very finger of Adonai. Days later, it's left me wondering still searching for words to explain our journey on the mount. Why'd he choose me? He could have chosen any of the elders. Gershom, Eliezer. There was this thick cloud that covered us. For six days, nothing could be seen. And all the more I wondered why he'd chosen me. You speak of Mount Sinai. Yes. Joshua, Moses thinks highly of you. Did you ascend to the top of the mount with him? No. On the seventh day, the glory of the Lord overcame us like a magnificent ball of fire from heaven. Yes, we saw it. 
the Lord beckoned Moses, and he ascended the remainder of the mount alone, right through those clouds. Forty days, forty long days and nights before I would see him again, carrying those stone tablets. We descended the mount together, and I heard what I thought were sounds of war from the camp. But it wasn't war. No. It was much worse than war. Our people were carousing before this golden calf. They were making sacrifices and singing and dancing. It was an abomination, an absolute abomination. And thousands died because of it. The Lord has had his vengeance. The land of promise can still be ours if we are on his side. Despite the golden calf, he told Moses that in the days to come, he would send an angel that would lead us to victory. Write this down and make it very clear. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I know one day I will walk upon that land. I just know it. Joshua wanted it made perfectly clear he would one day walk upon the land of promise, even though he knew the going would be difficult. Many grumbled and complained along the way, but what happened atop Mount Sinai would prove to be significant in shaping the initial leadership and the ultimate destiny of the children of Israel. The journey from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, to Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan, it was a tough journey. It's tough terrain here, as you can see, out in the wilderness, tough place. It took tough people to carve out some space in this land. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, is foremost in the list. He's well known because he spent 40 years out here in the wilderness before he went back to Egypt to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But even as he led them out, according to the biblical text, he wasn't alone in so doing as a leader. I mention that because though Moses gets all the attention initially, and rightly so as the principal leader, he had an assistant. His name was Joshua. Interesting fellow, to be sure. His name was Hosea originally, but his name was changed from a word for salvation to Jehoshua, that is, God is salvation. And he was going to learn that. Interesting word in Hebrew, in Greek, salvation, sozo, means uh, save, uh, means heal, be made whole, put back together again. The word Yeshua, or Joshua in Hebrew, it means to uh, heal, it means to deliver, it means to redeem, to save. And Joshua was all that, and in so doing, he led Israel. And he indeed was more than just a conqueror, though he was that to be sure. 
In the Jewish world, it's believed that all we ever needed for biblical revelation was the book of uh, the books of Moses and the book of Joshua. That should have been the end of it. If you look in the biblical text in the Torah, in the five books of Moses, is land that's vouchsafed to a people. And then Joshua let them in. And that should have been the end of it. They should have prospered there, but it didn't quite go that way. But that's a story for another day. Our story here is to take a look at the book and find out about this man who indeed was more than just a conqueror. Of course, there's a, a, a book named after him. I'm less interested in that at the outset as I am some background information on him. And for that, we begin in the book Shemot in Hebrew or Exodus. Uh, there's a story here where uh, we're told that, and I want to look in chapter 24 in uh, the text where we're told as uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, as Moses, ascends Sinai out here in the wilderness. As he goes up, we discover that he didn't go up alone. I'm looking in chapter 24, verse 13, and the numbers don't always sync up to the English Bible. I'm reading here from the Masoretic text out of the Hebrew. We're told, Vayakon Moshe Yehoshua. Misharteau, and Moses rose up along with Joshua, his minister. It's interesting the way Jews uh, translate the word for Joshua as his minister, uh, his attendant, uh, his servant. The point is that Moses was there, but he wasn't just there. Joshua, who's going to become a principal leader later, is identified as a principal servant initially. And I mention that, it interests me that uh, uh, Moses had sons. And it's not at all uncommon, as you would know, amongst priests, amongst kings. Do you have dynasties? You know, the, the kids follow in the family business. But God's business isn't a family business here when it comes to a prophet. It's different. And Joshua, the book, is, is slated there in the Hebrew Bible among the prophets. There's the word Navi to bubble forth. He brought forth a word and he brought forth new direction for the people of Israel. Very interesting. But we're told here that Moses is principal, but Joshua is there with him as a servant. I think this is lost in modernity. In the trades it used to be, you would have an electrician and then you would have someone who's a servant to the master electrician. A plumber, you would have a servant. People, uh, as they get into the trades, they're guided by a more senior hand. Today, the young, we just want to go get it and seize it. Here, interestingly, you have Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, but Joshua is there with him. Not only here on Sinai, we're told, and we're told that the minister is there, and then Ravayal Moshe El Har Elohim, and then Moses went up to the mountain of God that uh, uh, Moses went up all the way, but, but, but Joshua was there with him for part of the way. Not just here, by the way. Elsewhere, when uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was in the Mishkan, this portable worship center, the, the tent of meeting elsewhere, we're told that the Joshua was there. Joshua was a go-to guy to fight battles as well. He just was with him as an able assistant, not his own sons. The rabbis say that his sons weren't worthy for it, and they, they're given scant mention in the Bible. But you can see here that this man who was going to lead them in a conquest himself was more than just a conqueror. 
He was a man with a heart for God as evidenced by his loyalty. He's there in the sanctuary. And here he is at the moment of divine revelation when Moshe Rabbeinu goes up Har Sinai to get the luchos, the tablets, to come down with the Ten Commandments. We're told that Joshua is there with him. He was more than just a soldier like David who would come later. He too was a man who was after God's own heart. And it's for that reason that he was more than just a conqueror. Moses had his role, his role to take the Israelites so far, but then someone else stepped in and it was Joshua's turn. And the two of you have, have now stepped in. It's, it's your role and your job to take this program into the next, hopefully, the decade future. and beyond. Yes, and it is a huge honor and responsibility. It's interesting what Dr. Seif was talking about here in the transition of the mantles, if you will, in the mm -hmm. Bible. One would think that like in, uh, into kings and whatnot, that it would go from the father to the son. But we see oftentimes in the Bible that this isn't the case. Uh, Elijah threw his mantle down to Elisha and he received a double portion. King Saul, Jonathan didn't become his heir. So we say, what is it that God's looking for as criteria? Why wouldn't he send it through the bloodline of heredity? He sends it to those who have the heart. God looks at the heart. And that's what we see here as Moses hands over the mantle to Joshua. Joshua had the heart next to lead the people. Well, Moses always had his eye on Joshua in a sense. Joshua was his minister, his attendant, and he renamed Joshua according to the Lord's direction. Joshua's original name was Hoshea or Hosea, which meant salvation, and he renames him Yehoshua, the Lord of salvation. Same name for Yeshua, the Messiah. And we look back in Exodus chapter 17, when the Israelites were first coming out of Egypt into the promised land, you know, the bullies, the Amalekites showed up and like, hey, let's, let's pick on those guys. Uh, and, and Moses selected Joshua to be the general to lead them into battle. It was the battle of Rephidim. And Moses stood on a hill and he held the staff of God in his hands. As long as he held the staff up, the Israelites were winning the battle. But when he grew tired, started lowering the staff, then the enemy was winning the battle. And eventually the Israelites obtained the victory of that day and God uh, released a new name, a new understanding of his person to the Israelites as Adonai Nisi, mm. the Lord my banner. He wanted the Israelites to know that he was the standard that flew before them into battle that they represented his name. It wasn't about the Israelites, it was about God's name that they represented. And so um, God told Moses to write down the chronicle of this battle that would happen, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua in the future so that Joshua would remember, knowing in the future that he would be the leader, that God was always with him, that he was the Lord of the armies. I get the sense that even though Joshua is always known for his exploits, that maybe he didn't feel the courage that's represented by his name. God mm -hmm. gently keeps encouraging him, be strong, take courage, stand up, Joshua. So maybe Joshua didn't feel in his emotions the courage that God called him to, but courage isn't about emotions. It's about stepping out in faith. So we're gonna step back to Dr. Seif now and find out what happened in that rebellion at Mount Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses is up there on the mountain and Joshua is with him. And uh, Joshua hears something. We're told later 
in the 32nd chapter, we're skipping over a few here, but we want to get to the life of Joshua and his confidence that he is going to, with them, make it into Eretz Canaan, the land of Canaan. The word confidence comes from the Latin confides, and it's with faith. There's something in the heart that just prompts you to believe that you have a future. And you not only need it back then to win wars, uh, you need it today. Uh, you need it today. I need it today. A kind of faith uh, to reach into the future. Well, we're, we're following this man before he becomes a leader. And uh, Moshe Rabbeinu here is the principal. Joshua has not been given the mantle yet, but he's there and he hears there's a problem. He's at a place where he hears that all of Israel has kind of slidden off the rails. It kind of happens. We're told here, uh, Joshua heard the noise. And we're told, Vayomer el Moshe. And then he pivots and says to Moses, Call milchama b'machaneh. There is the noise of war in the camp. And this precipitates them, the descent from the mountain. I'm sure you know the story. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was not a happy camper. The luchos, the tablets that were uh, given to him by the Lord according to the literature, he throws down at his feet, not on his feet, but Adam, grinds him into powder. I mean, it's just a really bad moment. But against the turbulence of those trying times, there's a man who shines, not just at this moment, but elsewhere at these pivotal moments when we look at the life of Moshe Rabbeinu, we see this fellow Yehosha in the shadows, but eventually he won't just be in the shadows. He himself will be at the vanguard as the principal leader, but we're not there yet. Oh, you know the story of the golden calf. It's bad, it's bad. And uh, there's a judgment that's meted out. And I should say that if you look at that judgment, that 3,000 or so were slain according to the literature in the book of Exodus. And that's interesting, not to glory in anyone's death, but what's fascinating, on the day when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down with the luchos, there's a day that Jews celebrate. It's called Chagzman Matan Torah, the Feast of the Giving of the Torah. Uh, it's known by a Greek term to New Testament readers, Pentecost. It's fascinating. In the New Testament world, Jews are assembled in Jerusalem. We're told in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together. And we're told then that the Ruach HaKodesh, that the Holy Spirit, fell upon them. And we're told subsequent to that then, on that very day, we're told that Peter gets up and preaches and that 3,000 people come to life, they're baptized, they get saved. I don't think it's an accident. It's on that day, that very day, this day, this moment, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain, uh, that 3,000 people are lost. When the law was given, when the Torah was given, it went south. Fast forward the tape in the New Testament world, it's on that very day when the, this new covenant is, is, is poured out. 3,000 people come to life. I think God's balancing his ledger. It's a fascinating story, but I, I don't want to push everything over to the New Testament world yet because I want to look at a man who was more than just a conqueror. We see it here that uh, uh, Moses is gone and Joshua with him and Aaron does a really bad job there at the camp. I'm not impressed with him. 
he comes up with these cockamamie excuses when Moses comes down. Well, you know, the people, uh, you know, where's leadership? Where is that spine? Where is that dogged determination? Aaron just kind of pivots and lays the blame on the people. He's a little weak. Now, in all fairness, this is all brand new to them. They're all just getting their feet underneath them. But Joshua is different. He seems to me steady as steady can be. This is the guy later on, by the way. And now I'm pivoting to the end of the Joshua story. And here my purpose is just to begin it in this great series on more than just a conqueror. One of the more famous lines to speak of this conqueror later on, he's going to be resolute and you'll hear it in his voice when it's penned in the literature uh, for all the ages. When he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In fact, at the beginning uh, of the book, Joshua, and we'll get to that in the next program, uh, um, we'll be seeing more of the particulars of the book as we consider the story of Joshua. Uh, but the Lord tells him that you will cause these people to inherit. That is, Joshua, you fear not. You know, it takes someone with that eye of the tiger, with that dogged determination, with that faith, faith in God. And for my readers and for me, a faith that's revealed in the person of Jesus uh, it's that, that, that dogged determination to, uh, you know, Paul tells Timothy to seize, to lay hold of the eternal life. It takes that because if you don't have the resolve to do it, if you are not going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We live in a world today where oftentimes it's the woman who's more religious, more pious, drags the kids off to church, Sunday school, kind of leans on her husband to put some money in the offering plate. Uh, uh, better it is that it's a man who's like Joshua, who is doggedly determined to be more than just a conqueror in a religious sense, to leave a legacy. If it's a male of the species in a family system who puts his stamp that it's, it's his determination that leads in this regard, that me and my house, my this house. is who we're going to be. We will. If daddy does it, there is a much better chance that the children will live it out in the next generation. I saw a wonderful study to prove that up. And I think it's a great point. And I'm gonna close this program on that point, reminding that in as much as Joshua was more than just a conqueror, let's take a cue from him and be more than just a conqueror ourselves. And now over to my very good friend, Chaim Mailspin, a leader in the Israeli Defense Forces, had the opportunity to connect with him in Israel where he taught us about leadership. Master Sergeant Mailspin, Everyone wants to be the big leader. What do they teach you in the Israeli Defense Forces about being an assistant, about being a follower? It's all about being a team and understanding the chain of command and being able to follow orders. And, and part of our core values that we are sworn to follow, the 10 core values, I know there's purity of arms, there's personal example, but the main one is to be a team player. I remember when I joined this unit, this is my unit Yalom, which is the special forces for um, special missions and tactics. It's uh, combat engineer core. And uh, so we were trained that uh, when, when we do the initiation, uh, we had to actually carry our friend up a mountain and down and you know and they continually watch you and I don't know what they're watching for but they're looking for integrity they're looking for tenacity of mission
position. They're looking for personal example, and they're looking for someone who's a team player. And so when they saw that I was helping people, I just was in my, uh, I wasn't trained for that in the Army. That was from my home I was trained in this, and how to follow orders. And they said, you continue to take care of your friends. And when I did that, I noticed that they kept on writing my name down on these little notes. And what that was is every time I helped someone, and you get a certain amount, and that's how I was accepted to this unit. It's an elite unit, and it's interesting too in the Bible, Joshua shows himself faithful behind the scenes all the time before he gets the mantle of command. Absolutely. I know that Israel's army has had many numerous uh, highlights. I remember when we first got to the, the Wailing Wall, you know, in the modern rebirth of Israel in 1967. And they went in there as a team and they risked their lives to go behind then was enemy lines, which way back in the day was a Jebusite city. But then, like now, there is this ability to say, hey, will we maintain our trust in the God of Israel and even our trust in the, the ones who are mandated leaders over us. So you have to be trustworthy. Thanks, Sarge. It's, it's a pleasure. <laughs> Both Dr. Seif and Hayim are really good role models as leaders, leadership. Now we have you guys who have taken on the mantle as a leadership role with us. Well, we take it seriously. Yes. This is not something we accepted uh, passively. Uh, lots of prayer, and, and we want to emulate Messiah in all things and, and bring glory to his name. So it's not about us. We're just his servants just as much as y'all guys are or the people who donate. It's all God's ministry. It's not ours. So we're just part of his hands and feet just like everyone else. And I feel that even as a mother, and mm -hmm. we have grown sons, that when you're even in your mother's arms being rocked and your mom, I know your mom prayed over both of you. Oh, yes. Little did she know that one day you would both be sitting in the seat of a position and authority mm -hmm. and wisdom and insight and that God has, I believe, anointed both of you for such a time as this. Mm -hmm and no moment of your life has been wasted, and the wisdom that God has poured into you, you will be pouring into people, all these people, all these cameras will be soaking that up, and uh, it's, it's not a light position. It's, yes. It comes with much responsibility, but God has already appointed you for that. Thank you very much. We received that. The responsibility is great. Um, God shows Joshua in this story that this is something I've called you to, but because of your obedience and you fulfilling the requirements, that is why the Israelites are going to get into the promised land, because of you fulfilling these actions. So the calling comes with responsibility. Mm -hmm. And when you know that's your position, and it's not just for your life, but there's all these other lives that hang in the balance, if you will, based off of you doing what God called you to do, you realize it's not about popularity, it's not about fame, it's about the responsibility, the price being paid so that others can see the fulfillment of mm -hmm. Yeshua. That's good. As they will through both of you, and we pray through us also as we join together and as all of you join in financially keeping us alive, keeping us to keep this message, the beautiful Jewish roots of Christianity going out, I pray, for decades Amen. and decades to yes. come. Amen. Would you close out our yes. program today? And as we go, Sha'alu, Shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. 
view it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Zola Levitt Ministries helps us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember, we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.